This week on Invasion of the Podcast, throw me the whip, throw me the walker. Indy 5 has a release date. We engineer a discussion about Prometheus. And I have a game that is excellent. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. We're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul. I never want to have surgery on my midsection, Stedman. And to my left is Steve. Wait, you're not Joe. King. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I was going to say, God does not work in straight lines, King. <laughs> um, so, oddly enough, uh, Joe's in cryosleep right now. So, we'll wake him up in uh, like two years from now when we get to, to our destination. Uh, so, I made the joke last week that uh, I'd bring Steve in as the Yoko Ono and break up the band. That was not... A, Joe that, is mysteriously missing. <laughs> I know, right? No, um, never to be heard from again. No, uh, it's that it's happened to work out that uh, Joe had a lot going on. Steve volunteered to be on the show, and I am super thankful for it. So, again, thank you for coming on the show. And so that way we keep this train rolling, because we're now in triple digits. I know. Uh, is this episode 101, I believe? 101. It feels like it's a good learning. Like, you know, it's Invasion 101. They say the first hundred are the hardest. So. That's true. So Invasion 101 would be, you gotta, you're got you going to be a lot of talk about Spider-Man. There's going to be a lot of talk <laughs> about wrestling. Uh, a lot of talk about Star Wars, which that's actually going to happen. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess um, we'll just get into news because you have stuff to talk about that's very news related. And we'll just get there. everyone worst transition ever so um i mentioned indy 5 is a release date with that as well they announced star wars episode 9 has a release date and you were at star wars celebration so there we go that's the pivot i was i was at uh, orlando uh down in orlando for celebration this past uh i want to say april because i keep thinking it's may already but it was actually it was literally like a week ago <laughs> um <laughs> it was so long ago now uh, I was there for all four days, and uh, there was lots and lots of interesting things going on down at Celebration. So you'd been to the one overseas in, in England, and, and then you went to this one. Um, was there kind of a sense of just like, uh, yeah, this is cool, I've been here, but is there the same rush because it's all Star Wars all the time, or is it just more like, I've, I've kind of been here already? There was, there was definitely a difference of experience because I was one of the lucky few who got a VIP past for um the celebration in europe so i didn't have to wait for any panels uh i just had to show up like 40 minutes beforehand to be seated first um so i got access to all the big panels when they did the rogue one panel i was there i got the mark hamill panel i was like third row so um the carrie fisher panel all that stuff i was able to like get you know early access to never had to wait um and that was fantastic I did not have that type of access to uh, <laughs> Celebration in Orlando, so my experience was a little bit different. 
Well, yeah, and uh, the the big the big news, um, other than showing the Last Jedi trailer and the po- the very red poster of that, um, was the 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 surprise appearance of Harrison Ford and George Lucas uh, at a panel. And you you mentioned that uh, that the, these panels, people were, were were sleeping outside the the uh, the rooms before to try to get a space. And they they didn't know those guys were coming, but just in general, they're like sleeping. So there's a whole culture that is developed um particularly with star wars celebration where the fans seem to and i'll give them credit they do they they want to make the best of it they're like well it's kind of a crappy situation but if i want to see this i have to spend the night so let's get this tauntaun and bring it over (laughs) sleep in that there are literally like uh, videos on on youtube that are just about like celebration preparation like Diehard fans are like, you want to buy this chair because it folds up and fits in your backpack, and you can sit down in the convention center anytime you want. That kind of thing. Um, but you know, they 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 do build this culture around like, well, we're going to stay up all night, or we're going to try and sleep inside the you know queue hall for um, the convention center to get up to get a wristband to get into the panel um, the following day, and. Being a man who's over a certain age at this point, <laughs> sleeping overnight in a convention center is not my cup of tea. Well, you, okay, let's say that you did, right? It, 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 it will be a miserable experience. You will not sleep well. And then I do, if it was me where it's like, we're going to stay up all night doing this. And I mean, I'm of a certain age as well, so that wouldn't happen. Um, I'm sure by the time I got to the actual panel, I'd just be so pissed off and tired that I wouldn't care anymore. I'd be like, get off my plane, and I just get out of there. I just, I wouldn't care. Well, that was my thought. I actually, uh, basically, what I did was, is I slept at my hotel both nights, and then got up really early to get into the convention center to try and get a wristband. And my whole point of view was, is if I didn't get into the actual panel, you know, there were these streaming rooms that you could get access to, but you'd get a wristband for that as well. And I was like, well, I can just watch that on my phone, like. Whether I'm in the streaming room or back at my hotel watching it on my laptop, it doesn't matter. I'm not getting to be in the room. So uh, that was definitely a different experience from being in Celebration Europe. Uh, I would like to also point out, though, no matter where you are when you go to a convention, and this is pretty much standard for any convention, there's plenty of gouging. So um, (laughs) would you like a warm Pepsi for $4? That's four portions. (laughs) No, it's only two on the sign. It's not four portions, you know. Um, there's times where I remember things from Star Wars. I don't know. I just, I'd, I'd like to like to feel like I know what I'm talking about. But I just, yeah, like even going to freaking Wizard World here, it's just like I gave in and add like those little tiny food areas there where it was like eight dollars for a hot dog, and I can only imagine it's way worse at something like Celebration. I just realized it's like, well, how much effort am I going to put into leaving and trying to come back? Yeah, you know. So they got you. Well, it's funny too because you know there were all these celebration exclusives from different companies, and one of the exclusives was the um, Luke Skywalker X-wing um, pilot figure uh, black series, but it was on a card to look like the vintage series from okay. the seventies and eighties, and it was one of the things that I wanted. Unfortunately, the short short end of the story is, is I didn't get one, but there were people who were able to get into the Hasbro line. They were buying like six or seven of them and then selling them to the vendors inside. Now, this was a $27 figure, and it was going for anywhere from $100 to $150 at the oh vendor's booth. And I was like, 
I'm not spending that money for a $27 figure. Like, no. I'll wait a year, you know, and it'll pop up on eBay for much less. Yeah, and, and, and it's made to look like something that existed that does have value. Yeah. And I don't know. Like we, we talked about this before on the show, and you wrote a really nice piece on the blog about the things that you have in collecting. And I know I, you know, I have a bunch of random shit all over our room here, and it, but I don't, I don't collect for value, so it's hard for me to justify spending more. You know, like buying that Darkhawk figure at Wizard World, I think I paid five to ten dollars more than what I actually is for retail. The only reason I said yes at the time was one, because well, it's Darkhawk, uh, and two, like I didn't know when else I get a chance to grab it because it's just one of those ones that doesn't seem to be super common because it's not a popular character. So, but it was important to me, so I paid it for it on the floor with that price. I wouldn't have paid more than that, right? You know, but it was there. It was convenient. I did it, but I just I have a hard time. I just I don't I don't think I'll ever be that guy. I don't know, like just because I mean this is all a lot of it's just sewn together. It's plastic, and it's just it's hard. You know, I don't know. I just I can't do it. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm terrible. Like there have been times where I've tried to purchase things to be like oh this is going to be rare and it's going to sell for a lot of money and then it's come and you know bit me on the butt um but you know for the most part i collect because of what it's stuff that i love and Mm -hmm. if you look at that article i kind of just talk about the stuff that i have in my collection that i really really enjoy and um you know i don't think there's anybody who's like i need 30 bestman luke figures (laughs) but i do so (laughs) Um, yeah, know. I mean, but like, uh, it's one thing, I guess, if it's something that you love and you clearly you spelled out like you, why you love it and like you, how the times you've gotten it and you fooled your mom into buying you additional figures, <laughs> which is wonderful. Like, I, I get it, you know, I do get that. It's just um, with convention stuff, it's like you've you've clearly been to two much bigger conventions that I've I, that I've been. And I know Joe went to to MegaCon down in, in Orlando. Um, I it's just it's the the sheen's wearing off in terms of the go and grab stuff for me and that, that's not a bad thing because it helps my wallet you know yeah. but so i could be a little bit more selective about what i want to get because the first time you walk in it's like oh this is awesome and you realize where am i going to put it and is it really something that i want to have all the time other than that looks cool for a moment you know yeah. um but uh so while you were down there they released the the teaser for the jazz jazz i no, the last <laughs> jedi um like, I just want to ask, like, how were people like over the moon because it's like, oh my goodness, it's Luke. He talked, and you know, I don't really feel like they were. I, I mean, people seem more excited about the poster than anything, and I'll admit, like, it's it, it was a nice poster. Um, I was so glad to see something that was not a photoshopped face put on, you know, just a, a you know, a border that says you know Star Wars on it. So, yeah, um, you know, I liked that it was a piece of art and it looked like a you know a poster that could fall in line with the rest of the series. But I, I don't really, I don't, I don't really remember hearing anybody really talking about it. I mean, you know, the, the day that it happened, you know, people were excited about it and there were certainly people dissecting it a hundred million ways, but you know, compared to the force awakens teaser that they released, like I, I don't think it had the reaction that they wanted it to. Yeah. And I think, I think that, um, I think, Joe and I, I think we talked about this last time where I feel like because since Disney is steering the ship and putting out, that's going to be putting out consistent Star Wars content, I think the excitement isn't going to be there because, you know, seven, we never thought we'd get a seven, you know, right. and, and then of course people are going to lose their minds over that because it's like you see, it looks like it's going to be good. You hope it's going to be good, you know, and with Rogue One, 
like again it's like well we see vader and it was like people like you just never thought you get vader again either and it's just now i think that they've had enough confidence with these two movies that i you know it was cool i watched it you know i'll go see it in the theater i just it doesn't have that same like magic for me but uh, that's okay you know like i just but some people were just like losing their minds on the internet and i'm like it's just a teaser there's spaceships and we know there's jedi there's gonna be at least one of them in the movie it's okay you know like you know and adam driver's back and his scar moved it's fine you know like (laughs) i just i just think people are so quick to react that they don't really think about what's really in front of them they just want to tell everybody how excited they are and it's like they don't have time to really breathe and process what's actually what they're being shown yeah i mean i'll say this i'm not less excited it wasn't like i saw the trailer and i was like Ugh. oh but like at the same time i wasn't like woohoo like i was just like yeah it was all right yeah um so uh yeah i, I guess with like i know we talked to you previously about your your european celebration um and then this one i just you know i just didn't know if there's anything else that happened there that was unique versus the one that you'd went to anything else to bring back to tell tell the fun people that listen to the show so um, i mean this might be interesting it might be boring um but for that's those how we you... view the show usually <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are artists out there um and know who doug chang is um he's one of the guys who's kind of the for the last 20 years been sort of a visual spearhead for you know the star wars or pretty much everything yeah everything um and uh i got to um go to a uh, art of rogue one panel i got to hear him speak for an hour um i got to meet him afterwards uh so that was really cool and then uh on sunday of the show i got to watch him draw for an hour so wow if you're somebody like me i love when i'm working on stuff if i can put on you know, just videos of people working on their stuff or, you know, watching their process. I'm always fascinated. So that was a really, really cool treat to see him design something out of his head. And it's like, oh, here, this could easily be in the next Star Wars movie. And I just (laughs) drew it in front of you in an hour. So I feel like he's one of those people that's going to be like he's he shaped so much people's love of things. And you don't realize who he is, like, yeah. I, like one, like because I'll, I'll also admit that I wasn't that familiar with with who he was. And when you, you know, you mentioned that you got to meet him, and I looked him up, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is just like everything. And I'll put him in like the bucket as like you know a Ralph McQuarrie and like a Drew Struzan and um, like all those people that are like these heroes that you don't know that are they're heroes. Yeah, you know, like just it's amazing so that was awesome I'm, I'm i'm jealous that's that's really really cool yeah he he was i mean it was you know there was a lot of people in line so it was a brief encounter but it was such a treat just meeting him and having him uh i took a blank star wars sketch cover and just to get signatures on and uh had him sign it and just a altogether nice guy and like i said anytime that like and i wish you know I'm not going to drive too far into Rogue One, but like I was slightly disappointed with the extras that were on the Blu-ray edition of Rogue One when it came out last month or earlier this month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, there was a time when Blu-rays and DVDs came with copious amounts of extras, you know, and like literally just watching him draw for an hour could have been an extra. Uh, and, and maybe that's not Absolutely. bringing people into the store, you know, in for sales, but like... You know that that's the kind of stuff that I I miss about Blu-rays and DVDs that they don't seem to be putting that kind of emphasis into anymore. So yeah, I mean, and, and not to go too far ahead, but uh, all the extras that were available for Aliens when they put that thing on on Laserdisc, it is amazing 
the amount of detail they had back then. And that was just kind of like, we have this information, let's just put it on there. And now it's like, that's like still, when they re-release that movie, they still keep using that information from 20 years ago as their extras because it was so like encompassing at the time yeah. you know like it just and just getting cameron's commentary and everything it's just you're right i wish they would do more because uh yeah that's the stuff that i'll watch a movie once and then i want to watch it with commentary just to hear the thought process of what went into making it you know so yeah that's i i did know that rogue one had um scant uh features doesn't surprise me <laughs> they're like here's all the stuff that wasn't in the movie that was in the trailers here's your one feature there you go yeah there was there was an hour feature and no deleted scenes no commentary oh that's you know they're gonna re-release some kind of big box set later once nine comes out and be like here you go here's the new oh i'm sure it'll probably be this christmas because that's what they did with the force awakens that's like, true yeah they're like oh here's your force awakens and blu-ray and it's got some great features and then like six months later oh here's that jj jj abrams commentary you guys all wanted that we didn't put on the disc yeah that burns me um speaking of star wars 9 that leads into the the actual news portion no i'm I'm not done being grumpy old man (laughs) Uh, well i mean if you want to talk about uh, uh, about that's fine uh so they released the uh, the release date for star wars 9 which is going to be may 23rd uh which is not a christmas release i'm going to bet money that as we get closer to nine it's going to be moved to a christmas release just because it feels like they keep um, they, they keep believing that they're going to get these movies done sooner. you know. Well, Han Solo is now a May release as well for next year, which I think is interesting. I, I don't know why they're moving it, to be perfectly honest. I know that they want to be like, Star Wars has always been released in May, you know, from, you know, the original all the way through Revenge of the Sith. I think, you know, Force Awakens was the first May or non-May release, but it was such a great thing to have at Christmas. And I think that they're just missing the boat on like, hey, we can just own Christmas literally every year. It, it's not like they didn't make money, yeah. you know, because what other big tentpole franchises come out in December? They don't, you right. know, and and May, it feels like right now, like even into March, you're starting to get into the beginning of the blockbuster season, which I'm actually OK with now because there used to be a big dead period before the summer releases. And I feel like um, uh, like Winter Soldier kind of kind of like showed everybody like hey you can do this early and deadpool also showed them like hey you can have a february release and make money off of it uh even kingsman when yeah. it came out it actually surprisingly so i i don't know if if, if putting star wars in this, the middle of this big i mean they're going to make their money it's i feel like it, it's going to devour anything else there and i'm not saying rightfully so because there might actually be some interesting stuff coming out then that's going to get destroyed well, like, my wife is a huge Guardians of the Galaxy fan, and uh, Episode Eight was actually supposed to be coming out in May of this year. Mm-hmm. Like, that was initially the plan. And uh, I remember talking to her about it. I'm like, well, it's the 40th anniversary. I guess it kind of makes sense that it'll be in May. And the date was actually two weeks away from, uh, I think it was two weeks after Guardians was supposed to be released. And I'm like, oh, they're going to move it. She's like, why? And I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, Disney owns both those properties. They're eating into literally their own profits for both films by releasing them that close together. I'm like, I guarantee you after the way Force Awakens, uh, I don't remember if it was before or after Force Awakens was released, but I'm just like, they're going to move it. I'm like, there's no way it's coming out in May that year. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe they'll use Han Solo as a barometer, but um, I, I just feel like why not own Christmas every year? Let Marvel have 
you know the summer May. and let, let yeah. Star Wars have the winter. Yeah, you know I, 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 you know Disney obviously they could do what they want. They have a license to print money right now, and they're handling the um, the companies, not the companies, like because I know Marvel still as a as a comics company is still doing their own thing, but just the movie side of it, they're handling it so well. And even though I have my own mixed feelings about Seven and Rogue One. Like I, I can't deny that they're they're still superior in a lot of ways to what we had had, and they're still steering the ship in the right direction. So they're handling them really well, and they're putting some really good people behind the camera to make these movies too. So I can't tell them to change their philosophy, but yeah, I feel like if if no one's releasing stuff in Christmas, and that's the time when kids are all home and they're excited for Star Wars, and that's when you can sell all the toys. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. It doesn't make sense to me, you know, but. That's why I, I don't run Disney, I guess. I, I, I applied. They just said no. They're like, you know, Paul, you, you need a much bigger footprint uh, media-wise. I'm like, well, give me a chance to run Disney, and they wouldn't let me do it. Because uh, I want to make a Darkhawk movie and a Moon Knight movie and a Moon Knight and Darkhawk movie together <laughs> and bring in Sleepwalker and all the characters no one cares about. That's what I want to have happen. Um, so uh, Indy 5 is going to be released supposedly in July of 2019. I thought that was 2020, but I, that may be the dates. I Maybe I don't have the dates right. Harrison Ford is going to be roughly how old? I think 77. Um, my one coworker at work was like, is he going to be able to even do anything at that point? And I I feel like they will still give him his... his uh, you got to have some Harrison Ford fist punches. you got to have a couple of them. Um, I don't know how, how heavy you're going to lean on the action sequences with him because it's like there is a suspension of disbelief and then there's the utter suspension of disbelief. And I feel like Crystal Skull kind of pushed it for me with some of the stuff that he did there well the thing about crystal skull is that it's well it's universally hated except i actually don't hate it i don't think it's there's parts that i like you know, and, and it wasn't yeah i don't know i mean I'll, I'll say this like admittedly if i'm gonna go watch one of the movies i'm going for raiders or last crusade first yeah, yeah. you know but i didn't hate uh, Kingdom Skull either or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull either um, but you know he was pushing it age wise there and they make jokes about it you know like he crashes through that one window and I don't I don't even remember what he says at this point but it's sort of like he doesn't clear it with the whip and he's just sort of surprised and yeah there's a bit where he's supposed to be making a jump and he misses it and it's like oh okay and then they're even making jokes about him being too old in Last Crusade though like about yeah. how like and and he was older in Crystal Skull than Sean Connery was in Last Crusade playing his father. So like it's it's like it, and then there's the whole bit where they have the big the big giant ants and he's fighting the one Russian guy and there's the fist fight there. I didn't mind that. Like and then there's things that I liked. It's just that is there going to be a point where like what I'm not saying Harrison Ford's not spry because clearly he's out doing things all the time and almost killing himself <laughs> flying around. Um, and the fact that he you know almost got killed on the set of uh, Episode Seven. And then, you know, it's just, I don't, it, like, the guy's game to do stuff, you know, but yeah. it's just, as an audience member, it's like, after a while, like, is this going to actually be a legitimate torch pass in a good way, or is this going to be like, okay, that's it for Indy, because I know Disney will not let this, it, this property rest too long. I feel like, as opposed to continuing with Ford after five, or having him involved in any way, 
you know, I think a young Indiana Jones style movie is really going to be the way to go where they're like, hey, we're going to go back in time. And maybe you do have Harrison Ford. You know, there was that one episode of uh, Young. <laughs> yeah, where he was uh, he told the story or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so maybe you go that route or something like that. But, you know, I, I say this as somebody who like truly loves Harrison Ford as, you know, he's a staple in my childhood. I kind of feel like if you can pull off Indy five, just call it a day. Like and I, and I feel like he wants to. I think he wants to take what he's known for and kind of end it on a good note. Like seven, he was really good in seven, like in episode seven. And I feel like with this new Blade Runner, I feel like he wants to kind of put a pin on that too. You oh know? man, and, that Blade Runner trailer! He pops up in that gray shirt. It's like Harrison yeah. Ford in a gray T-shirt. <laughs> I, sorry, I, I I was one of the few people who was not blown away by the uh, Blade Runner. Uh, Either. so <laughs> i yeah i mean but it's like you feel like these are the iconic things so i think maybe i think it was not a chewy we're home m- m- moment but he was in a great t-shirt yeah um by by this what, which trailer is it the teaser trailer because i know there's supposed to be a new trailer coming out for that yeah i think it's going to be uh attached to oddly enough alien covenant oh there we go so i uh, yeah i but i think you're right if he does indy 5 and, and actually and it doesn't absolutely fall apart, then yeah, go off in the sunset. And I think that's the plan. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, if if he did make it to the end of the movie, like Indy, but then at the same time, I don't know if Disney would let that happen because it's like, you already said goodbye to Han Solo. Are you going to say goodbye to Indiana Jones when you bought Lucasfilm more so for Star Wars, but you got Indiana Jones as well, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, even though there was rumors for the longest time that Chris Pratt was going to play Indiana Jones, I kind of don't want that to happen now because I feel like he's done a lot of everything. Give somebody else a chance to play Andy, you know. Right. Um, I whatever. Anyway, that's the end there. Uh, all right. So uh, news is going along. Surprise, surprise! It is Invasion One Hundred and One. That's what we do here. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Speaking of things coming back, uh, he's going to be in Jurassic World too, and he's going to have his shirt off. I don't know about that, um, but like that's kind of that's interesting to me that they. I know in the first Jurassic World, they definitely referenced the events of the first movie, but I didn't know how much they were going to tie back to the original Jurassic Park. And if all the characters bring back him or Sam Neill, I'd have been fine with. Well, it's funny because my wife is a huge Jurassic Park fan as well. Like her two franchises literally is Guardians and, um, well, I guess since she's only seen the one movie, but it's becoming a franchise. And then <laughs> Jurassic Jurassic Park. Um, I don't think I've made it all through the way through Jurassic Park 2 or 3. You're not missing anything. Um, <laughs> I love the original. Uh, and I actually really, I, I went to see Jurassic World just because she was so excited to see it. So I was like, all right. And then I saw it and I, was, I had a lot of fun. I was like, wow, that, I did not expect that movie to be as fun as it was. Um, that being said, um, uh, Jeff Goldblum is, and I think I mentioned this on my Facebook uh, page, was just basically, I always forget how good he is of an actor. Um, and then I pop in the original or I watch The Fly, and I'm like, wow, he is just, when he is on, he is on. Mm-hmm. So hearing that he's going to be in the new Jurassic World, I was like, all right, sign me up. <laughs> I didn't expect to like Jurassic World, but I, I did. And you're throwing in Jeff Goldblum in the second one, so, you know, I'll be there. Well, if, even when he showed up, I, mean, I knew he was part of Thor Ragnarok, but it's like, just seeing him for a second, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> this makes me happy. Um, so, yeah, I think that's good. I think this is a smart... As much as this talked about how I wasn't excited for um, like you know Star Wars coming because we know we're getting more Star Wars, uh, Jurassic World I liked it. I own it on Blu-ray. 
it did feel like it hit the nostalgia button until it broke, and then it just kept hitting it harder and harder through the entire movie. And that's fine. I'm hoping that this one is different. Like, I hope it. Now that they've said, okay, we've we've reset everything. Let's let's tell a different story. I'm hoping that's what happens. I will say, and <laughs> this may just be me, but I I feel like anytime someone like points out either something that they think is a plot hole in a Jurassic Park movie. Or has an issue with something happening in, like, for instance, in Jurassic World where they start the 20-year-old Jeeps that have just been sitting there, <laughs> you know? Uh, my opinion is always, like, this is a movie where there's dinosaurs running around. Like Th- That's you, fair, yeah. You know, if you can buy into that concept at this point, really starting a 20-year-old Jeep, you know, is, is not that far-fetched. So yeah, no, the, you're absolutely right. I just, but I'm just like, and and I'm not saying that I won't criticize the movies. I'm just saying that like it's that thing that always comes back to me. I'm like, oh, but it's a movie about dinosaurs being genetically engineered from the sap of a amber from blah blah blah. You know, like yeah, it's like my, my one my one friend just absolutely despises the Transformers movies. Before he hated them, before it was cool to hate them. I'll just say that. Was there never a time that it was? I, I liked the first movie. I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but he's so critical of it. I'm like, I'm like, listen, it's a movie about robots that change into other things, <laughs> and they're changing the robots and punch each other. That was based off a cartoon. That was based off toys. Like. Like I feel like what got on the screen was actually pretty good. The 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 first one. My biggest problem with with the uh, Transformers was um I saw the first one in the theater and I did I did actually like it when I saw it, but it just felt like um garbage fighting each other. Like I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't really make out what was happening a lot of the time. I'm like, it just looks like two like big things of garbage just fighting. And I've heard someone else describe it as just like scrap metal thrown into a rock tumbler. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Anyway, uh, so um, real, real quick, we'll wrap up news with a good story that uh, that Steve brought. Uh, I mean, I, I'd read about it, but you, you brought it to my attention. So just you want to talk about the the actual good story, the good news that we have. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I, you know, I like to think about sometimes is just I, I'm nostalgic for video stores. I can stream, you know, anything I want anytime at my house. But there was something special about going to the video store. And there was a story recently about um, a man. I think he was in Texas. He's yeah, 20 Texas. years old. Um, the blockbuster in their area had gone out of business and they had a 20 year old autistic son who loved going to Blockbuster. He'd go at least two times a week. Um, And his parents put up a a Blockbuster display in their house with full seasons of the shows that he liked and the movies that he liked. And they even went so far as to put up the Blockbuster signage and recreate that experience for him. And I just, I thought that was such an awesome story as opposed to, I see a lot of like stories about like, oh, we found the last video store ever in Earth, you know? And... (laughs) They're always so like steeped in nostalgia as opposed to like, oh, this is something that, you know, gave this kid joy and they brought it to his house for him. And I just I thought that was such a nice thing. Yeah, because um, they the employees even went to the parents and said, listen, um, we're closing and we know that this is because they said that his uh, his form of autism is so severe that he doesn't really talk, um, but he has like his habits and he has his routines. And so they knew that this was going to be something that was going to be really big for him, you know, yeah. like, and so they said that they worked out with the employees to grab the racking and some of the signs and, and the, and the movies that he likes. Cause like, I'm sure they worked a deal to get all that stuff off the floor the moment that they officially were closed because you know, that 
they weren't probably weren't supposed to do that but that's good when i worked at blockbuster when we found out we're closing a lot of stuff ended up being put away for later that i was going to buy for super cheap you can come after me blockbuster it's been five years <laughs> um you know so they they did say that whatever like the when the store was actually officially closing that day they brought him in to show that there was nothing there to let him know that this is going away but then they surprised him by having everything in his house and they said that his way of showing affection is going up and, and pulling on someone's earlobe. Yeah. And then he went over and like, you know, it was like to his parents and they thought that that was like, that was the most he's kind of perked up in a long time. So that does say a lot. Um, one that everybody worked to make this kid, you know, his life stable and happier. That's amazing. And that blockbuster actually brought happiness to people. That's, that's, you know, neither here nor there. Um, I will say that it, like people do make the jokes. There is the Twitter account, the last blockbuster that it's really funny to follow. Cause they're just like, they, they say some horrible stuff and there's actually still are blockbusters in Alaska. Um, just because they're franchised and the bandwidth up there isn't like, isn't what it is. So they still actually have operating stores. They're just not under corporate. Um, but I find, but I do miss video stores. Now there's a couple of family videos in the area. I haven't walked in them, but I, I miss the idea of a video store. Well, it's funny too. I, um, I went to great Northern mall for the first time. I don't know how many years it's been, but long story short, we went in there and I saw that there was an FYE and I'm like, FYE is still a thing. <laughs> yeah. And right. I, I went in and I was like, wow, there's like maybe 20% of their, stock now is movies and music and the rest of it is all like collectibles collectibles and, yeah. and um the, the far dark corner with all their tomorrow and stuff that they can't seem to sell <laughs> well they also had like this two thousand dollar deadpool thing and i'm like it was like a life-size replica of deadpool and i'm like who's dropping two grand on this like although there are people i say that and like if, <laughs> if i had two grand and i could buy like a um you know, a Hansel and carbonite to throw up on my wall, I would totally do it. So I had to talk myself out of some of those prop guns at Wizard World. I'm like, oh, I really want the the gun from Blade Runner. I'm like, it's Paul. It's it's just to cast, and they just painted it, and it's not right. really. A, I'm like, but I want it. It was like it was a couple hundred dollars. I'm like, I can't justify doing that, you know. But yeah, I you know, um, but yeah, even Fye still kind of scratches that itch of walking in and browsing. Yeah, it's like just go in and close your eyes and just think you're on a Sun Coast for a second and just go around and touch everything. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I feel like there's still going to be a need for that kind of store. Not need as in like a social need, but people still want physical media. Just maybe not to the extent that they have access to digital media, right? But I feel like there's still going to be people out there that want that. So maybe not as many stores, but like family videos still seem to be successful. And I and I that's that one's confusing to me, just because everyone says video stores are dying and and family videos are just chugging right along. Yeah, I don't know how they're doing it. Um, I don't have a membership to Family Video, but um, I can say my wife will make fun of me because I I used Rogue One as an example. You know, the Blu-ray, like uh, you know, I bought that and I already owned it digitally, but I had to have <laughs> the Blu-ray. Um, I like physical media, um, particularly when I was talking about, you know, extra features and stuff like that. There are companies now that will do, you know, those types of Blu-rays. Um, for instance, like Scream Factory, which is an offshoot of Shout Factory, does just these fantastic editions of, of movies, you know, and they'll throw copious amounts of, mm -hmm. of extras on, on uh, their Blu-rays that you can't really get anywhere else. Um you know, I picked up, uh, I think the last thing that I purchased through them was uh, a version of uh, Carpenter's The Thing that just, it was a ridiculous amount of stuff that came on it. I mean, just filled I know what brims. you're talking about. I didn't buy it. I, 
he, that's one of those movies I could probably buy over and over again. Yeah. And, um, that is my, that is my best Ben Luke would be probably the thing. <laughs> um, and I have I just have like the standard Blu-ray with Carpenter's commentary where he smokes like a freight train. Yeah. Like because uh, it was recorded for the laser disc, so this was the eighties. He's just smoking and talking. I think he's still and that smoking. Way. Yeah. And I think what was it? I think Kurt Russell's with them too. And they just have a good old time laughing and watching yeah. the movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're right because th- those companies they will find um, like the thing's a bigger title, but they'll go out and and get stuff back to re-release because they know there's a cult following and give you the extra around it, and there is a market for that, yeah. you know. And I think that's that's cool, you know. Uh, I, I do, I do miss blockbuster. I guess it's more of like I miss the ritual of it. You know, oh, yeah. like I think that's what it is. You like, you know what? Like growing up as a kid, we didn't. Well, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. There was no actual video stores. There's a couple mom and pop places, but you'd go to like the supermarket and go rent movies there, which that's sounds bad, but that's where you went. Yeah. Um. That's how I got Army of Darkness for the first time because it was a supermarket. Um. And we would go and rent movies, and it was like you would get movies, you go get snacks, and then you have your Friday night, and you'd always rent like three movies, and then fall asleep during the third one, and it was always. Like it was those are the stuff I remember as a kid is watching horror movies. My mom would rent based upon the cover art because she's like that looks like a good one. We rented some of the worst movies <laughs> because she was like that sounds like a. It's just like we I, I forget what all we've rented, but um, there was the the movie was it Mother's Day, that one from the eighties that was kind of exploitation, kind of bad, kind of kind of rapey. Yeah, the cover art looked cool, so we had that. Like all the Jasons, all the Freddies, all that because it's so yeah. I, I miss that portion of it. Because uh, you can't really be like, oh, let's go to the movie that's still on your couch and just stream through everything, you know. And I kind of refuse Redbox. I will never use a Redbox machine. I used it for about a year before I got Netflix, so it it was, um, it had its brief time because it was cheap to use and it was convenient. Um, but going back to, you know, the difference between going to a video store and being able to stream everything is, is that like, yeah, so. I have a, a very strong feeling, or a lot of strong feelings, about poster art for movies. Um, and I feel like a lot of times it's not these days that I just don't put the thought into to poster art to differentiate films. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with streaming everything is, is that I will skip over a movie if I think the poster looks terrible. Like I'll be, I'll be honest. Like if I'm, you know, I'm not in a video store. You could at least pick up the box and read the back and be mm-hmm. like, oh well, maybe this is interesting. Or there'd be a photo on the back, and be like, oh, you know, this movie has, you know, Corey Feldman in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I would make me stop too. <laughs> but like, well, the Frog Brothers, we gotta get it. <laughs> but there, you don't have that tangible experience of going and picking out a movie when you stream. You just you're sort of flip, flicking through the same way that you flick through channels on your TV. Yeah, and and like uh, when Joe and I watched uh, Robot Overlords for the Wheel of Death. I, that that cover art was terrible. That's why I thought it was an asylum film because they used that. It was the same mute, like weird orange blue garbage art with like definitely the famous people's faces on the cover, and I, that that's an immediate turnoff for me because yeah. I know that style. So yeah, you're right. Like there's something to be said for just I. There's something about spatially looking at something and kind of taking your time and perusing and looking through things that's different than having a digital interface. And maybe it's just because we were raised that way. And maybe there's the generation after us won't find find that as a disconnect, but it is for me. Yeah, you know, and so uh, we had a really interesting conversation about a good, a feel good story about a kid that has his own mini blockbuster right now. So, um, and I have, I still have like 30 movies with blockbuster stickers on it. So I should open my own and rent them out and be like, 
<laughs> I'm just trying to think what I have. I, I just I got some shit movies towards the end because they were super cheap. I'm like, yeah, I'll buy them. I don't care. Just bring it. Uh, anyway, that's uh, super long news. That's fine. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we had some good talks there. That's what you get when the sub fills in. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when Joe and I are talking. Like we get <laughs> on the news. So, all right, enough about news, and we'll, we'll get on to our future presentation. And now for our feature presentation. Again, terrible transition. That's uh, that is Invasion One Hundred and One. There. So we're going to be talking about the movie Prometheus. 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 <laughs> I don't know if you remember the critic at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> he did. I, a, he did a short film. And it was supposed to be about Prometheus, and it's like, oh, Prometheus. <laughs> he, uh, oddly enough, uh, Crackle uh, has a bunch of the episodes, and I literally just watched them uh, maybe like a week or two ago. Was- that show was ahead of its time. Yeah, so ahead of its time, and because. I, not that this is going to be the critic episode, but maybe that'll be later. But it just if you guys get a chance to watch any of that it's stuff, forty it, minutes of critic talk and then five <laughs> minutes on Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, Prometheus is pretty good. On to the critic now. <laughs> Buy my book. Now, um, I, it was so it, like going back now, realizing how much like it, the absurdist humor and the the cutaways. And just it, it was really ahead of its time, and it still holds up pretty well. Like, uh, so anyway, Prometheus. We're going to talk about the. It was Alien Day yesterday, um, so we're late on that. That's okay, uh, because Alien Day is suddenly a thing now in the last two years. It was never really a thing before that. It's um, going to be right up there with Valentine's Day and Arbor Day. I like it. I, I like so as much as we've been talking about Star Wars, um, Alien is kind of like my Star Wars in the sense that. Something about that franchise, it just I, I, I run to it with open arms and I always hope for the best. Um, because, I mean, like, <laughs> Alien is a masterpiece. Uh, and I feel like my friends, as they get older, they hold up Alien as, like, the perfect, like, their, their favorite movie. And, and rightfully so, it's a good film. Aliens is still my favorite. I just love the constant, like, complication, add on complication on complication. James Cameron is the master of being like, you think this is bad now? Now you got 15 minutes to get out of here. Like, it's, I love it, you know? Um, and I even love Alien Three. Uh, the, I, well, the assembly cut of Alien Three, not the theatrical cut. And Resurrection's even not that bad of a movie in hindsight. It's not great. It's just it's not. It's okay. We're talking about Halloween Resurrection. No, Alien oh. Resurrection. Yeah, um, you know, because if, if Alien Resurrection didn't do so well, we'd never have Firefly. Uh, but then, uh, the, but then there's that Alien vs Predator garbage, which kind of ties into what we're about to talk about. But then Prometheus. Um, whenever the first like trailer started coming out, and you hear this the sounds and you see everything going on i was legitimately excited for this movie and finding out it was an r-rated movie ridley scott was directing it supposed to be in the alien universe but he said it's not related to alien at all and i'm like cool hard sci-fi r-rated sci-fi with for the guy who who has done really awesome sci-fi i go to the theater i kind of come out feeling a little like i want to love it but i but what did i just watch you know and I hadn't watched it until last night for the first time in the four years. So I similar experience, except Star Wars is my Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Star Trek's more <laughs> my Star Wars. But I, uh, as far as you know, uh, just giving a history of the films. Um, yes, Alien is is probably my favorite, but I I I can't disparage Aliens. Like it's one of those things, like. You know, we talked a little bit about indie, but like for me, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect movie. I like Last Crusade a little bit more just because 
I, I don't know why. I just have a little bit more fun watching that movie. But like, it, it's kind of the double dare challenges at the end to get through to the cup that always got me when I was younger. I'm just like, oh, there's a blade that's been spinning for years. Right, <laughs> the penitent man. Like, like, why is this blade? Like, what? How is this? It doesn't matter. Just get through it. You know. So I mean, I kind of revere Alien and Aliens as sort of the the high watermark. I don't think I've made it through Alien 3 since college, and college for me was a long time ago, people. <laughs> um, I saw Alien Resurrection, apparently, is what it's called. Yeah. Um, I saw it once in the theater uh, after a friend begged me to go to the Dollar Theater. I don't know if you guys will know what Dollar Theaters are, but back in the day, uh, movies that had been in theaters for a very long time. It was like a red box you could walk into. <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> Um, because they made their money on the uh, the concessions anyway, so they weren't you know charging the high dollar on it. Um, but uh, I have not revisited that movie, and my recollection of it was just being like, eh, it wasn't bad, it wasn't great. Yeah. Um, uh, then I was taken to see Alien versus Predator against my will. Um, me too actually like I, I was living with some friends at the time that they were boyfriend girlfriend and they were like clockwork every month on the one day off that I had away from everything they would fight and so I would go to the <laughs> movies a lot and that one day I'm like I'm just gonna go see Alien vs Predator just because it's there and then they're like we'll go with you and I'm like damn it like I just want to get away from you <laughs> so I kind of watched it under duress so yeah, I had two friends uh, who were a couple at the time, and they were like, let's let's go see a movie. I'm like, all right, what do you guys want to see? And they're like, we want to see Alien vs. Predator. And I'm like, it's going to suck. I can tell you, <laughs> we can save our money, and I can just tell you right now it's going to suck. And they're both like, it might be good. I'm like, all right. We walked out, yeah. and I looked at him right in the face. It's like, that movie sucked. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not friends with you anymore, <laughs> and I'm giving you a bill for my time. Um. But, uh, you know, I didn't even bother with the second one. I think the second one's Requiem. I'm not 100% sure. I know there's a second. There is. Alien. It is. Re- I, I don't like that they have cool titles. I yeah. don't. <laughs> like, it bugs me. You know, like, Resur- like Alien Resurrection. Okay, that's a cool title. And then Alien vs. Predator 2, Requiem for Predator. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, the second one was better than the first, but that's like saying, like, a hangover. One hangover is better than the other. It just, it was still not great. Yeah. Um, but I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the xenomorph. I'm sucker for um, just uh, like m- the things that scare me the most are biological in nature. Like you mentioned the fly. The fly terrifies me because that movie does it right by taking its time to show Jeff Goldblum change as opposed to this immediate changeover. Yeah. And even though I feel like the gestation period for a chestburster is fast, it still seems feasible enough. You know, like for the facehugger and then for the alien to come out, at least there's time for a gestation for it to, to, to it's show It's a logical up. transition. You don't question it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a sucker for all that. I'm a sucker for just the design and uh, like the aesthetic. So when like Ridley Scott was doing Prometheus, I was like, yeah, this is like, I, I'm excited for that. And then also the notion too of the space jockey, which is something I never really thought about a whole lot while watching Alien, realizing like, oh, whatever that big thing is and that telescope thing, that was another creature that this thing burst out of. And you don't think too much about it other than, you know, like something bad happened here and it wasn't important to the story other than the fact that the ship crashed and, it, you know, something bad happened. And so for years, people, they uh, had all these theories about the the space jockeys, right? Uh, and so really Scott decided to answer that question by asking a lot more questions that I don't, then the second time watching this movie, I don't even know if they're answered the second time I watched the movie. 
Well, you know, similar to you, I hadn't seen the movie um, until um, I well, I'd seen it in the theater, but I have not revisited until revisited it until today. And I think it came out in 2012, so that's almost a five year span. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had the same reaction that I did when I walked out of the theater. Um, and I know we've talked a lot about Star Wars, so I'm going to keep this point brief. But <laughs> when I walked out of the Phantom Menace, I was how do I put this? There was that feeling of what did I just see? But also the fight between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon is so great that it ends there Mm -hmm. that you kind of leave on a high note. And with Prometheus, I felt like I didn't walk out on a high note. I felt like I walked out and I just, what did I just watch? Like, um, so that was kind of my overall feeling when I walked out. Yeah. And so like, my biggest thing, it, just, it, it frustrates me, and people can uh, attack me for saying that I'm, I'm judging the movie on the surrounding bits as opposed to the movie itself, and that's fair. Um, I don't like the bait and switch of them saying, hey, this isn't going to be an alien movie, and then at the end, they're like, oh, by the way, it's an alien movie. I didn't like that. I didn't like that they're showing these murals of a queen alien inside the, the ship. It's like, if if you're trying to still show me like these engineers that they're completely separate from the xenomorph because we don't in the first alien movie, you don't know how the two are really connected at all. And that's fine. I, but then somehow that they're the ones that kind of created it, but you don't know for sure, but somehow like they revere it, but it's also a weapon of mass destruction. It didn't make sense to me then. So why include that? You know, it felt like the engineers that were, I, they were mysterious enough that you could have made a movie just about them and could have made them a threat. And even though they turned out to be a threat in the last 15 minutes of the movie, it didn't feel earned, you know, like, right. and that's like, it just, it, it bugs me because after reading, cause I did a bunch of reading about the movie after, uh, cause I knew we were going to talk about it for the show. I wanted to give it a fair shake. There's a lot of good ideas in the movie. There's a lot of interesting discussion in the movie. I feel like because the first hour takes so long to get to anything happening in terms of like the monster movie business and the alien stuff that the first hour is pretty good, but it's a little slow. And the second hour is like, oh, shit, we got to kick everything into high gear. And then they start taking shortcuts with everything. And it kind of just feels it just feel it doesn't feel earned, yeah. you know, and it's it's a bummer. Like the, you could you there's probably a three hour cut of this movie out there somewhere that's actually really good. Well, it's interesting that you say that I have similar feelings on it as, as you do uh, just after listening to that. But um my opinion was is that I kind of wondered if maybe, if, and again, going back to Star Wars, I don't know if you remember, there was uh, what was called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Edit. Someone had edited Star Wars Episode One down, taken like Jar Jar out, had taken a lot of the politics stuff out of it, um, yeah. and just condensed the movie. And I kind of had that thought. I was like, well, I wonder if they pulled some of this stuff out of the movie, if it would work better. Like, for instance... I'm just going to use the geologist and the other guy who get left in the cave. Um, WWE Seamus <laughs> and the other guy. Yeah. The guy looked like Seamus to me. I couldn't help it. It's like, why don't you guys just like, just why don't you just wrestle that snake thing? Just get it out of there. Anyway. <laughs> well, they, you know, one of the things that really bothers me about the movie is, is that these guys make some of the worst decisions ever in a movie. Um, but like related to their profession. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so for instance, if there was a cut of the movie where, you know, they get left there and then they only cut back to them once they go looking for them. So you see like all their decision processes 
been cut out so that you're not like, well, those guys, A, deserve to die and are complete morons, but it would also amp up the tension. So I kind of wonder if if they chiseled out some stuff of that movie, if it would be a better movie. I, you're right. Like I feel like... Um, I hit the mic. I'm sorry. That's that's fine. Um, uh, uh, you're just so angry about what happened. No, uh, it, I, you're, I, I feel like it. watching it again... They wanted to at least give you like you have that bit of like the crew waking up, getting together, so you get like like individual shots of of the main players, so to speak. Even though there was like a thirty crew member members that you see all get die, they all get killed in various ways. Towards the end, you're like, I don't know who that guy is. Who's that guy? That's security guy. Who knows? Um, but when you had like you know geologist guy and um, biology guy, and he's like, Oh hi, I'm so and so. He's like, Don't talk to me. I'm just here for money. Like you get the idea, like oh, of course Seamus is angry for some reason because he signed on to do this and whatever. Um, that it just it felt like a very forced. Like he's a dick. He doesn't want to be here because he's a, he's a, um, a biology guy. Doesn't know what's going on. Have really cool glasses. Um, and it's I don't know. It's it felt like you had to have that moment of them talking. So you can be like, oh, it's those guys later. It didn't. None of it felt. None of it. it none of it felt like I got a sense for any of these characters other than Seamus was angry. Um, it, not that I want to compare this to like aliens or even alien. You, you got a sense of all the characters when they're working together of what they did, you know? And even if they didn't have the biggest of moments, you still got a, like a, a personality beat from them that it made it like it, it helped more. And I feel like um, that they're shooting for the bigger ideas so much that they forgot about the character. So this is interesting because I wanted to be professional. So I wrote down some notes uh, before <laughs> I came on. And uh, this is my note on the characters. And I think you're going to find that it's literally almost your, exam- your exact same thought. Um, I wrote, uh, one of the biggest hurdles the film has is that most of the characters are unlikable. They never gel as a team. You never fear for any of them because you don't care for them. David and Yannick, which is Idris Elba's character, are really the only characters I had any interest in. Shaw was the lead, but I never truly felt for her, or more importantly, worried for her. The crew really never came together like the crews in Alien or Aliens. They never felt like a family. Plus, they make bad decisions that makes us like them less. Okay, and then I, my next point was just that, you know, speaking of which, characters only make bad decisions to push the story along. The consequences of their actions mean less because there's logical or little logical sense to their motivation other than to move the story along. And uh, your point about the crews and Alien and Aliens, like good or bad, both of those crews, you know, one was a set of astronauts, one was a set of, of uh, well, I guess miners, yeah. or, you know, but, uh, and, you know, the other one was a set of, of Marines. And, like, even if there were characters that you didn't, that weren't, how do I put this, that were not bad characters, but characters with bad motivations or whatever. Well, like even Burke. Like, like Burke, yeah, yeah, it's like, but Burke, he served a purpose at the beginning because it's someone that you're supposed to be like, oh, you know, and he's sympathetic to, to Ripley. And then, you know, eventually he, you know, he turns for his own interests, right? But at first he's a very charismatic, likable guy, and he's the one guy in the boardroom that's listening to her. No one else is. You get behind that, right? right? So whenever he does betray, you're like, that son of a bitch has been sliming this entire time, and right. you're just waiting for that. Even like Vasquez, you know, hard ass, but it's like you get the idea that it's like like doing the job is more important, and even at the end when she's with um, what's-his-face, the guy who's actually the commander, that the one that screwed up everything, even though she doesn't like him, 
they both went out together and there was right. honor there, you know? And it's like, you got that character beat of just like, she's a badass, but she's also like, she understands this is the end, you know? Right. So why be a, a jerk to him right there? You know, like, and again, I'm comparing a James Cameron film that I, that I absolutely love that I've watched. I could watch it a loop right now. Like no kidding. Um, with the movie that I've been lukewarm to, and I'm still lukewarm to like Prometheus kills me because it is beautiful. It's a gorgeous film. It looks amazing. Um, the characters, like the creature designs are creepy. The engineers are like, I loved that they did the fake out of, cause when you first saw the space jockey and alien, you saw this, like, I don't know. You didn't know what it was, whatever the head was. You just didn't know. And then to find out that's actually a helmet. I thought that was kind of a cool, like, screw you. We're going to do what we want with this character or this type of the beings. Oh, it's a visually arresting yeah. movie. I mean, that's the one thing that I, I walked away both times after watching it. Man, I'm like, God, it's a gorgeous movie. And I can't fault Scott as a director as far as, like, the visuals are concerned. Like, it's gorgeous to look at, you know. And it's, you know, I, I could say the same thing for Alien. And I could say 40 years later, the same thing for Prometheus. They're both gorgeous movies. It just happens to be that Alien has a better written story. And which is... It, 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 it kills me again. I keep going back to that. It's like it's as if like a white albino snake thing crawls up into me and just you know shoves its face into my mouth, and, and I'm like, oh, but I was just going to pet it, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, reading about the genesis of this movie and how there was a time there where Cameron and Scott were going to work together and make an alien movie, and then the studio's like, no, no, we have this alien versus predator thing going on, and then uh, Cameron's like that's going to turn the franchise to shit. I'm out. Like that's pretty right. much what he said. And it's like, you guys just could have waited to have James Cameron. And you know, it just, you could have had this perfect marriage between the two movies, you know? And it's just like it, that, that makes me frustrated. And then knowing how long, like the different drafts of the script and how they were going with this, that uh, Scott was interested in the bigger questions and they're still there. Like the whole idea of like, if you met your maker and to find out that they're, they're mortal like you, like, what do you do about that? And then also, what's the like, what, where's the line between faith and science? Even though I feel like the movie kind of really bobbles that kind of badly. Because Shaw believes no matter what. And that that pisses me off. Like, not that I want her to have a, like, absolutely not believe in anything anymore. But the moment she realizes that the engineers are real people, she's like, oh, but who made them? Like, that's that, that that's moving the goalposts. And it's like, there's no crisis of faith there. She's accepted blindly. And her idiot boyfriend was like, oh, but all the aliens are dead now. I'm sad. I'm just going to go drink on the shiny pool table. Like, it's just none of it. He's supposed to be the skeptic. You know, right. and she's supposed to be the believer. And I'd almost feel like it would serve the movie a little better had their reactions been flipped. You I know? still can't understand why he's so distressed at that point. I also understand why he exists in the movie. Like, well, it's funny to me because, you know, one of the things that bugged me about the movie, too, is is that nobody seems to really, until things start going wrong, nobody seems apprehensive about anything. Like, no. Like, these guys aren't technically astronauts. They're not Marines. You know, they're a bunch of different scientists that have come together and they've traveled, what was it, like at least two years of their lives to go to this planet and yes maybe one of them's there for money but like nobody's like wow we're walking on an alien planet nobody is either amazed or really frightened and like why wasn't there at least one character for instance um when not tom hardy um takes his helmet off (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, uh, Steve Steve Hardy. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. I, I apologize. I don't know. If Steve's always my go-to when I want to name it a character, but it's just like, yeah, he kind of looked like Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, he takes off his helmet, and uh, you know, everybody else is like, oh, I guess I'm just going to take off my helmet. Why wasn't there just one person who's like, you know what, atmosphere or not? I'm on an alien planet. And this is definitely an alien structure that we're seeing evidence of intelligence. I'm keeping the helmet on. Right. You know, like, it just... But everybody's like, I guess we're taking the helmets off. It's like if I came over to your house and was like, I'm going to take my pants off. You're like, everybody take the pants off. Yeah, there's pants off right now, yeah. yeah. Um, But that, that bugged me because... For someone that's supposed to be all about like the you know the search for truth and like science you know the, the the study of the scientific, you know your your first reaction is take your helmet off because you think the air is breathable. It's like it, they tell you not to drink the water when you go to different countries. <laughs> you know that kind of bugged me. And then people people will tell me I'm nitpicking and that that their 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 bad decision making is kind of the folly of man when they get close to these things they'll make bad mistakes. It's like that's fine. Like making a poor decision. <sighs> I guess, like, okay, they we're going to look at Alien, where they're going to bring John Hurt back on the ship, and they're first they weren't going to let him on. It's like, there's something stuck on him. We need to get him to Med Bay. They're like, nope, he's contaminated. Like, the fact that Tom Skerritt actually backed off to let him in, that's the bad decision. But you saw the character motivation of, like, I've been this guy's crew member for years, and I don't want to see him. You know, like, the, you see the reason why they're making the bad decision, and everyone knows it's a bad decision. Right. You know, and it's like, that's different than just, like, oh, there's an albino snake thing. Oh, I'm going to go try touch it. Like, what? Like, this is your first experience with an alien species, and you're going to, like, and you're supposed to be this biology guy. Why is your first inclination to go touch it? Like, it just seems such a... I don't know. And also, if you're a geologist that had these tracking balls that fly over the place, why didn't you just throw them at the entrance when you guys got there? And it could go do its thing. You have to go all the way into, you know, Death's Anus there to map it out. Like, it just felt like you had it just... Death's huh. Anus is one of my favorite metal bands. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, it just... it That stuff bugged me. Um, the motivations of David the Android, I know he was acting on behalf of uh, Waylon, but his motivations still seem weird. And we're supposed to feel sympathetic for him, like he, you know, it's that felt that I got, I like the idea that he knew he was synthetic and kind of was pissed off at humans because yeah. he knows everything and they don't, but they treat him as he's still like a second class, you know, citizen. So I, I didn't mind that motivation, but it seems like he goes from being like ambiguous to evil to, oh, my programming is kind of over because people are dead now. Let's go explore the universe together. Like what happened there? Yeah, and you know the thing too about David is is that I will say that I think that he's probably the most compelling character, and I think absolutely he's, he's certainly. And I don't know if it's because Fassbender was playing the part or if it had always been intended this way, but it did feel like they were like their process was to throw as much of the character development into him as opposed to most of the other characters. Um, and I feel like a lot of them, all we got was surface level stuff, like. Yeah. Uh, when Shaw reveals that like she can't have kids, it's strictly so that it's set up that she's going to be pregnant the next day. And it's not really a character moment. It doesn't feel like you've just learned some sort of devastating thing about this character. You're just like, okay. Um, like if you would have set that up somewhere earlier in the movie, right. it would have been a better payoff. Or, or had she, they just detected she was pregnant and she's like, I'm barren. Like I can't have children or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I cannot create life. It's like that's not what I meant, babe. That's like basically how it was. Like, <laughs> oh, and then also the inconsistency of how things were affected by things. Meaning, 
There was black goop that somehow got it, it, okay. I don't like that David's like, have a drink while my finger's in front of this glass. Bloop. Dip it in the glass, pull out the finger. I get the dude's drunk, but I'd be like, whoa, whoa, robot. That's, you didn't, what did you do? Why'd you stick your robot finger in my drink? You know, that seems weird. But yeah, sure, I'll drink that. And then, then there was like, it affected him differently. Uh, Seamus, when he got all the black goop on him, it affected him differently. Like it all, it, none of it was consistent, you know, and that kind of. There's no logical pro- um, progression, which is one of the notes that I had made was, is that, you know, aliens or alien and aliens, the life cycle basically goes, you know, queen lays egg, egg hatches face hugger, face hugger implants alien, alien hatches out a human and cycle begins again. It, it's kind of there in Prometheus, but like it goes in different ways. And one of the things that, um, annoyed me was is when I was doing research for just about the movie, I, I just hopped on YouTube and looked at some videos of people who were defending the movie. Cause I was like, well, I want to know what the other side is. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one video and I think I watched it all the way through. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I feel like it was at least 20 minutes to a half hour of somebody trying to tell me why the movie's a good movie. And if you have to spend that much time trying to convince me that a movie's good, <laughs> it's not a good movie. But also telling me that I just don't get it because I'm not smart enough, not a good way to convince oh, me that I'm... That, you know. that, that would piss me off where it's like, you just didn't get it. I'm like, no, you just didn't tell it. Like, right. You know, it just... And, and like, so if the, whole, if the whole crux of the movie is... And also, too, like... They had these maps from all over the world that pointed towards the star system. Fine, right? They and there was a larger being that was always pointing towards the, the thing, and so they have a, they have a theory, right? They're like, oh, there. It sounds like there is something that came here and and you know evolved us or something. We don't know. And then when they asked Elizabeth, like, well, what's what uh, evidence do you have for these engineers? She's like, well, I just believe. It's like. You're a goddamn scientist. Like you're supposed to. I know faith is a big thing for you, and fa- in believing. But it's like y- you have spent a trillion dollars of someone else's money to fly all these people out in the spaceship to be like, well, this is just a belief I have. That is not good enough. Well, I mean, the only argument that I can make to that is is that they're really not there based on her belief. They're based on they're there because Waylon wants immortality or to yeah become younger or live another day or whatever and. My whole thing about his reveal is is that it's really not a reveal. No. Like he he's there and you're like, well this doesn't really change the trajectory of the story. It doesn't push it. Um we kind of had a feeling throughout most of the movie that he wasn't dead and that he was on the ship anyway. Cuz you know, um David, I almost called him Bishop. <laughs> David is uh you know, reporting to somebody and it puts Charlize Theron's panties in a bunch and she gets upset with him and like, what did he say? And, you know. Yeah. And then like the whole uh, med pod thing, which I don't know why it needs to be programmed to be gender specific, but it was, it was programmed for a male and it was in her life pod. Right. So whatever. Um, yeah. It's just, it, there is a um, deleted scene that's on YouTube. It's actually uh, of towards the end whenever they run into the engineer and he's like, ask him about this. And he's uh, telling David to talk to him. Right. And the extended scene actually has the engineer talk to David. Okay. And there's this brief back and forth um, where he, he says they, he says to Whalen, he's like he's asking, well, why? Like, you know, what do you want? Basically, what do you want from me? And and Whalen's excuse is, well, I wanted to see who created us, and the fact that I, and you see he pointed out to David, he's like, I created him, so I feel like God should be allowed to live forever. Like his whole, uh, so basically, he's putting himself on the same level 
as the engineer. And then the engineer just kind of looks at him and then looks at David, touches David's face and rips his head off. It was like the same ending, but I felt like it actually gave better context. And I don't know why that wasn't allowed in the movie because you actually had you. They explained Waylon's intentions right there. Like, yeah. I, he's like, I believe I'm a god. I should be allowed to live as a god, you know, and like, why wasn't they allowed? Like, that would have that would have made that scene better, as opposed to we're going to go talk to this uh, this white blobby guy, and he just got angry and just like start killing people, you know. And I, I just it just felt like the ending of the movie was rushed because you know it also the odds of that ship like that was supposed to be targeted for Earth. You know, that seems like a bit odd, like when they pull up the star map and it's like, oh, Earth was the target. And what was it targeting? We don't know other than there's a bunch of vases here from like, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond. They're leaking shit. We're going to go drop them off. We'll see what happens. It's That felt kind of convoluted. We don't really know for sure why all of the engineers died. Right. You know, and it's like it's implied something bad happened and it's implied that their own experiments got the best of them, which I mean, that's fine, but it's... <laughs> There's not that I need to have every question answered, but answer that question, you right. know, and it's just the second time watching it, I was more aware because that was all cool stuff as you're watching the movie. And then when you get to the end with the big, you know, spaceship falling and then Charlie's Theron not running diagonally, uh, whatever, um, you don't think about the first half of the movie anymore. You're just excited for, you know, Hemdall flying his ship into the flying <laughs> into the flying horseshoe and taking it out of the sky. Well, you know what's what's interesting. You mentioned you brought this point up earlier about it. You know, oh, it's an alien prequel. No, it's not an alien prequel. You know, they played this whole thing, and like I honestly, I one of the reports that I read, and I don't know if this is true, was that it had originally been written to have more alien elements in it, and then the script is rewritten by Lindelof, and his whole thing was like, well, let's make it an original movie and let's remove those elements. But then they kept other elements. Yeah. And, it just it doesn't and uh, like I don't understand like well why instead of it being uh, LV um, four two six four two six LV two three or something yeah two three three something yeah. like that and it's such an arbitrary decision where you're like why why not just set it on that planet why not make those vases eggs why not you know I mean I'm not against the idea of this this place being a weapons depot that like their their experiments because even though Idris Elba is spouting this is just like that's the truth he has no idea what he's talking about when right. he says it. he was like oh this is where they kept all their weapons not their actual home world how do you know that I don't know I'm Idris Elba you're gonna question me I'm like I'm sorry sir I'm not gonna question you you're a stacker Pentecost you're awesome I'm not gonna question you <laughs> and you're also gonna be rolling so I'm not gonna question you um I, I like the idea that as smart as they think they were by keeping their weapons away from everything that they still couldn't control them. It's just the consistency. Like if you're going to don't introduce the xenomorph, whatever that black goo is, have it do something entirely different. Like I yeah. would, that would have been cool. Like, you know, to be like, Oh, well they, the xenomorph may be their custodian of worlds where they send them in to clean up everything. Cause they're pretty much, they will like destroy the populace and then burn themselves out. Cause there's nothing left. That's kind of the idea I get from them because they're kind of like, a, a race of aliens that they'll consume, consume, consume until there's nothing left. And then they kind of, what are they going to do? You know, I guess but, I feel like they had an idea and they didn't commit to it. And yes. it, it gave a piss poor result because it never committed one way or the other. And I'll be honest, that alien reveal at the very end of the movie, I'm spoiling the movie. Sorry. Oh, wait, um, wait, since we've been spoiling this, everything here, when do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> Not that we really spo- we spoiled this already, but yeah. But I I was just so like, oh, it kind of looks like an alien, but it doesn't look like an alien. So it's like everything else we've seen in this movie. 
that that burned me when I walked out of the theater. I'm like, really, really? Because like the big tentacle monster, fine. Like I can get behind that. How it grew so fast, not so much. Whatever. But the fact that it latches onto the engineer and and does what it's going to do, I'm like, okay, that's definitely alien like. And like you could have left that vague. You could even shown his chest moving and been the end of the movie. But that was like, oh, it's a proto alien. Like, what's that even mean? I don't even know. Like, right. it's just. And since we're not going to that planet in another movie, and it's not related to Alien anyway, what does it matter? Like, yeah, it and it didn't matter. I just it made me. It felt like that you've been telling me this entire time it's one thing and it's not, and then at the very end, it's like, oh, but it really is. It's like, don't do that. I get when you show the ship that your first thought is, oh, that's the same one that's on LV-426. Like, this is, this is they're going to be crash landing in there, which was, that was the original plan, was to have that be the ship, yeah. right? Um, but, and I, so I'll give a little off credit that I'm glad that the movie didn't end like that because then there's no reason for it to exist. Like, I feel like we already know what happened, so why, you know, why do that? But then that brings me to Covenant, where in the trailer, you see a engineer ship crash into the hillside, and it's implied it's the one from Prometheus, and it's like, well, then we're, we're changing one out for the other, you know, like, because this is still supposed to be one step closer to Alien. So are we eventually going to end up on LV-426 or is the planet they're on LV-426, you know, like and it gets wiped out? I don't know. But I just I don't like that the, the, this movie is supposed to be its own thing with a sequel called Prometheus 2. And they're like, oh no no no, Alien Covenant. <laughs> like, like it's just like, <laughs> no, Alien Covenant. So this is an Alien movie. We lied about it. It's not Alien. Yeah. So this is not Prometheus Two. It's Alien Covenant. Yeah, because uh, then the, there was also that Neil Blomkamp movie. He was the like, Alien Five that he's working on that uh, got kind of scrapped because of this. So here's here's my thing about that, and I don't want to say that I'm against that idea either because I'm not. Um, I I think it's a cool idea. I just, Blomkamp hasn't really, visually, I do think he's a great director, but what movies I've seen of his have not, I've not been like, that's the guy who needs to make, who needs to make the Alien movie that's the, you know, official sequel to Aliens or whatever. Like, there's not been anything that's made me think like, oh, well, this is the guy who's going to write the story. Maybe he could direct it, but I, I don't know. It's a different feeling than when, like, I hear, like... You know, if 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 they said, well, I, Joss Whedon was involved with Alien Resurrection, so it's a bad. Yeah, yeah but know. back then he he did a lot of script writing, right? So yeah. I mean, you know, um, but yeah. it's not it's not something that like excited me when I heard it was him. I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that's well. fair. But so Alien Five, which was supposed to be ignore three and four, um, was supposed to exist after Aliens, was going to bring back Scotty Weaver. Michael Bean was supposed to be in it too. And that's the thing, like I, I hate to. It goes with the alien thing or the the indie thing we just talked about. Like you guys don't have a whole lot of time left on these types <laughs> of things. So you know, it's true. Yeah. If, if Sigourney Weaver's willing to come back, at, and I'm she's probably what sixty, sixty five. She's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's maybe make it now. You know. <laughs> Let's not have 70-year-old Sigourney Weaver. Um, yeah. Nothing against 70-year-olds or 70-year-old Sigourney Weaver, but, you know, there's a time and place for things, and, you know, it's... 
Yeah, well, that's a whole other conversation, I think, because we... Uh, you said it like you were my dad. That's a whole other conversation. No, no, because son. we talked about letting <laughs> letting your, your heroes die with uh, with Logan, right? Like, it's okay to let some stories just end, and if you want to explore something different, that's fine. And I thought Prometheus would be that. I thought that that would be the thing, and it just it felt like... Um, there's some really cool ideas in it. I know I've mentioned that before. I like the idea that... Um, I don't I, I, that there was a superior race that seeded the earth and created humanity, and then they're like, you know what, we made a mistake. It's never stated why or or what happened. They they created life on Earth, and then they wanted to come wipe it out. I don't know what happened there. You know, maybe they just saw like we were wearing Crocs or something. We're like we're done with this shit. We're going to wipe out the Earth now. You so, know? and part of the other um, videos that I watched, a lot of them were theories about the engineers that were pieced together from either interviews with Ridley Scott to possibly commentaries. I didn't watch the commentary because it wasn't available on the rental um, that I watched. But, you know, if I have to read supplemental material to push apart, you know, to, to make me understand what why certain things happen in the movie, like... You didn't do a good job with yeah. the movie. Yeah, that's, that's, you're absolutely right. So... I, I am cautiously optimistic for Covenant just because it is a big budget alien movie and it's done by Ridley Scott. And I feel like after watching Prometheus again, and which that felt now in hindsight, I feel like that was like a dry run for tech for the Martian, which like, yeah, because the Martians are really good movie. I don't know. If it you is. See, oh, yeah. I yeah. Uh, was kind of, and I actually, I really like. Uh, Ridley Scott, I really like Matt Damon, but for whatever reason, I just had no interest in the movie. And then it popped up on HBO, and I was like, "All right, let's watch it." And I was like, "Wow, that movie was really good." Yeah. So I feel like he kind of, you know, I think he kind of got his uh, groove back in terms of like you know landscapes and cinematography and all that. And I hope Covenant is good. Danny McBride's in it. I I, I hope that he is. Like not just comedy relief, but I feel like they're like, oh, he's a guy that has his own attitude in a cowboy hat. Like, God damn it, do we have to have, like, do we have to have Southern space guys every single time in space? Well, the interesting like, thing about Danny McBride is, is that I really hope that he does flex a serious side because I honestly don't know him from anything outside of a few movies, and you know he's typically the same character in most of his movies, but he is involved with the next version of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they've already come out and said, like, it's not going to be a comedy. It's not going to have any of those tropes. You know, Danny McBride's treating it very seriously. I hope we get shades of that in Alien Covenant. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that just, like, Paul Reiser wasn't supposed to be, you know, yeah. like, he was a comedian that turned into be a really good villain, you know, so why not, like, hope, not that Danny McBride used to be a villain, but it's like... It, <sighs> you hope he's not the wisecracking guy who... I mean, yeah. sometimes it'd be fine, you know, like, a, a good Danny McBride bride reaction to an alien would be great i don't need that every five seconds you know um like oh hell no i don't need that every five seconds um so i'm hopeful um what i am what made me more hopeful and i know we're running along here guys so i apologize we still got a game to go too so we're gonna be here a little while longer um the short that came out the prometheus short called the crossing that was released for alien day the very last three seconds of that is very interesting yeah because i don't know where they're at and it was like I, and it shows the um, the further adventures of uh, David the android and Shaw, the 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 believer, you know, on on their horseshoe ship as they're flying across the cosmos, and I think they go to the engineer's homeworld or a engineer world, and David opens up a cargo hold, 
and it basically it's implied that he unleashes hell on whatever's going on. And that's fascinating to me. And I, I hope that's not just something that they slap together to make you excited for covenant. I hope, I hope we actually get an explanation of what happened. I feel like that's probably like the first like 30 seconds of the movie. Well, what was it, two minute clip or whatever? Yeah. Like I feel like that's your tie to Prometheus and then they'll go back off into, you know, the new story or, and I will say this too, going back to my point about the, the characters never feeling like a family or gelling. The very first featurette thing that they released for Alien Covenant, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's just the like crew hanging out and talking. Yeah, like, and they shot that. Oh, it was like a very like, hey, let's get the cameras rolling. Yeah, and it was very, it was it was a nice introduction to the, everybody talking about. It was supposed to be their last night before they go into cryo sleep, right? Yeah. And that was not part of the movie. It was just a separate little bit they did. I liked it. Yeah, but I thought that that was interesting, almost in the way that they were like, we know that nobody really liked the characters in Prometheus, so we're going to really try and take care with the, the characters that we're going to put in Alien Covenant. Yeah. So I, again, cautiously optimistic. Um, I feel like the Alien concept is something that could, handled the right way, still have some good stories to tell, like just just like as much as I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic for uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, no, it wasn't Rodriguez, and not anymore because he produced uh, Predators, but um, Shane Black's Predator, yeah, like that makes me because he feels like the right guy for this. Uh, some of the casting has been pretty great, so I'm hoping that movie's good. I don't need the Predator and Alien ever cross paths ever again. Just give me good solid movies, you know. Just I I need good hard sci-fi. I and like Star Wars is great, but it's it's fantasy with with science thrown off on, in the corner, you know, and because you got spaceships. But otherwise, everything else is just fantasy elements. It feels like in that series, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I but, don't consider Star Wars to actually be a science fiction movie. I think it's a space opera. It's a it's a fantasy. So. Yeah, and, and and so, and I just I don't know. I, I um, some of my favorite movies of recent uh, the past, I guess, like you know. 10 years that are sci-fi like ex machina was really solid uh sunshine the i don't know if you saw sunshine or not danny uh, boyle directed film where it's like the crew has a oh captain america in it um chris evans yeah chris evans and scarecrow um freaking what's his name killian murphy that's right so captain america and scarecrow on the spaceship and they're trying to reignite the sun because it's starting to uh, fade out i and, have not seen either uh, of those films it's so good, and an ex machina is the one with um. It actually has uh Poe and Hux in it. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. It's funny because it's like they, they made that movie before episode seven, and I saw episode seven. I'm like, wait, these guys are hacking out now? Like so, <laughs> and that deals with artificial intelligence. I just love smart high, hard sci-fi, so hopefully this is more of that and not just um. I I don't know. I hope it's not shit. I just hope this movie's not shit. Um, my last thought on aliens is just uh, if you are somebody who's big into aliens and you're looking for some cool like alien style stories or alien comic stories, I should say more specifically. Um, one of my favorites is uh, the first Superman alien story, which at the time I thought was going to be terrible. One of my favorite Superman stories. It's fantastic. Literally. Superman at one point has a chestburster in his chest because oh. he's away from a yellow sun. He doesn't have his powers. And hmm. there's kind of a race for him to get back his power before it comes out of his chest. So um, that's not the entire crux of the story. That's but a good ticking clock for something. That's, that's yeah. okay. 
Um, that's a really good one. Um, I believe it was Alien Hive is uh, one of the stories. It's illustrated by an artist by the name of Kelly Jones who's got a real distinct style. Um, it's a fantastic read. And then my last one is, is there was a one-shot in the early 90s by Mike Magnola. I think it was Alien Salvation. Um and it's a really cool story. So if you're looking for other alien type stuff that's not a movie, um, check out some of the comics. Uh, I think they're all published by Dark Horse. Yeah, and, and they just put out a new one called uh, Alien Dead Orbit. That the uh, issue one just came out alongside Alien Day. It's been getting some pretty good reviews too. Has it? So okay. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Our, our my scatterbrain to talk about Prometheus. Um, still don't hate it. Still don't love it. You know, and you can t- tell me I'm wrong, but then that's fine. And we'll, I'll hand you a drink. I'll put my finger in the drink first, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, you guys could tell me uh, your opinions of the movie on our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. We have a website that we update sometimes, invasionofthepodcast.com. Uh, we have a Twitter uh, at Invading Podcast. We have a Twitter. I sound like I'm an old person. We have a Twitter now. Um, it's Invading you Podcast. You the tweeting. Yeah. Um, I downloaded Snapchat on my phone recently. I have no idea how the whole thing works. I'm just like, there's a ghost face? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> people are like, you can look at people's stories. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And so, yeah. Um, I have an Instagram that I never used. Yeah. Like, I signed up for it and I opened it up and I'm like, I've already got like three other things that do the same thing. But Right. Yeah. Um, and then also we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash invasion of the podcast. If you guys want to financially support the show. That'd be greatly appreciated. You can uh, donate as little as $1 or up to $1 million. I don't know what the cap is, but if you want to give me a million, I'll just come work at your house. It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll, I'll, I'll podcast there. It'll be great. Uh, if you donate $5, um, like one time or, or monthly, you could choose a wheel of death um, to subject uh, Joe and myself to. Um, and we won't, you know, you could pick six movies. I'm going to have to join just so that I can continue my, my role of picking the worst movies for your wheel of death. Yeah, you've had some good ones. Um, I feel like we failed ourselves with this Robot Overlords because it wasn't that bad of a movie. But that Hellraiser movie is one of the biggest pieces of <laughs> shit I've ever seen. And, You're welcome. And um, oh, uh, Christian Mingle was absolutely a nightmare <laughs> as well. Um, so, so yeah, you guys could do that. It'd be greatly appreciated. Patreon.com slash Invasion of the Podcast. And now, on to our game. <laughs> Time to play the game. Time to play the game. All right. So we did a game here recently where we did like a version of F. Mary Kill, but with robots. So Joe got inspired and wanted to do one involving eggs because we're going to do this for Easter. But then I was like, let's save it for Alien Day because there's eggs there. So, Steve, I have our nacho hat here. Um, you're going to pull three at a time and one, you're going to, what is it? How'd Joe say one? You're just going to, uh, hatch and keep his companion. One, you're going to destroy immediately and one you have to eat. So you got to decide, you know, three at a time. All yeah. right. Uh, by the way, F Mary kill sounds like an awesome lawyer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my hands aren't working quite well today. Um, should I read all of them? Yeah, just read them as you get them. Okay. Uh, I've got the first one up is the Rancor from Star Wars. The second one is Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> oh, and the last one's Howard the Duck. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. All right. So I'm keeping Howard the Duck as my companion. Nice. That one's easy. Rancor and Indominus Rex. Um, what are my other two choices? I kill one of them. And, and then you have to eat the other one. Oh, so. <laughs> I feel like I could 
Well, I guess I could eat both of them for a long time, but I feel like Indominus Rex is probably going to be a little fishy for some reason. It's definitely a GMO. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna kill the Indominus Rex and I'm going to eat the Rancor. I like it. All right, so we've got some more here. We've got like a total of nine. Uh, are, you know, are you pulling from these as well, or is it just no, me? just just you? Because oh, I, I already know feel, what they are. It feels like a game just for me. Yeah, look at that. All right, first one I have is Phoenix. Is this like Dark Phoenix? I don't or? know. I just I just uh, Joe wrote down Phoenix. I don't know if he means the bird, uh, the X Man, or the city. Oh, but, uh, uh, <laughs> or the, the city would be the, very the, interesting. The University of Phoenix. Uh, Humpty Dumpty. Uh, and lastly, I have ooh the critter from Critters. Ooh. Um, so I guess if I can hang out with the city of Phoenix, <laughs> I'll hang out with the city of Phoenix. <laughs> At least the weather would be nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I do have uh, some good friends who live there. Uh, hi, Jason and Lisa, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we did not eat you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Humpty Dumpty or the Critter? I feel like... Uh, I don't know. I feel like the Critter, they've got those porcupine spikes, and they'd probably be tough to eat. So I'm going to eat Humpty Dumpty. I'm going to you know make him into a nice... Um, <laughs> Uh, sort of, you know, Benedict or uh, ex Benedict uh, style dish, and then the critter and I are just gonna hang out and eat Humpty. <laughs> so uh, my question about Humpty Dumpty is like, we just assume he's full of egg. What if it's just an egg shaped man that's full of organs? Like that's just, <laughs> he has just like he has a weird skin disease. He just like I he just you know I don't that just that would just be terrifying to me. It's like he cracked open and just see everything. <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of uh, the actual uh, yolk you see. <laughs> You know, uh, a heart and some <laughs> intestines, and that's actually a good one. All right, I'm on to my next one. Uh, ooh, I don't know what this is. So, oh, you don't know who Trogdor is? It's uh, it never. It's, basically, Joe wrote down dragon. I wrote down a, like, a dragon that I love, but that's just so. Just pick a dragon that you like. Trogdor is the Burninator um, okay. from HomestarRunner.com and Strongbad. I don't know if you're familiar with that web series. It's been like ten years. I don't know any of those words. Oh, okay, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I thought I thought they were internet famous <laughs> enough. Okay, anyway. I'm gonna go with uh, um, Falcor from the Neverending sure. Story. Um, Godzilla. Oh no! They say he's got to go. Uh, and then lastly is Pikachu. All right. So. I don't know if Pikachu really comes out of an egg, but I just know that Pokemon hatch. So. So I I don't want to derail us at all, but I have a very quick Godzilla story. Um, growing up uh, on Channel 43 out of Cleveland, some of you may remember a show called Superhost. Uh, Superhost showed basically old Universal monsters and a lot of Godzilla movies. And uh, My mom used to, like on Saturdays, be like, oh, you know, there's a Godzilla movie on. Let's watch it. And when I became an adult, I mentioned to my mom, I, I feel like it was maybe around the time the Roland Emmerich uh uh, Godzilla came out in like 98 or somewhere around there. I was like, oh, hey, mom, do you want to go see the uh, the new Godzilla movie? Uh, I knew that you're a Godzilla fan. She's like, I'm not a Godzilla fan. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't like Godzilla. And I'm like, but you used to watch him with me all, all the time on Saturday. She's like, that was just so that I'd get you to do something and like <laughs> get you out of my hair for two hours. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Oh, it's like this thing I ended up loving was just because you just wanted some time to yourself. <laughs> oh. So Godzilla, um, I'm going to say uh, he's going to be my companion, which sounds weird. Um, Trogdor, 
I'm going to eat because he sounds delicious. <laughs> and uh, uh, Pikachu... Um, Pikachu's the, I guess, the one I kill? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Pika, Pika. Pikachu. Sorry, I, I ran our time up with my story That's about Godzilla. The, you're right. That's <laughs> the, You're the reason that that one story is what made... Like, it's fine. We're I always worry that we're going on forever and ever because I'm like, I know I don't want to hear myself talk for two hours, but you know maybe everybody else likes my voice. All righty. So the next round, I've got Cadbury Bunny, Metroid... And Dark Claw, Death Claw, Death Claw. It's from Fallout. Think of this kind of like a smaller Rancor. Okay, my my video game knowledge uh, doesn't go past like Twisted Metal from uh, the oh, first okay. PlayStation. So, well, that's well, not true. Okay, I just so play you, Halo. you are aware of what a Metroid is, though. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, and I did play Halo when Xbox came out, so I guess that's where my uh, probably 10, 15 years back now at this point. But, uh, all right, so I feel like it would be, I don't want to eat the Cadbury bunny, but, like, I love Cadbury eggs. They're, like, my favorite thing. It might be full of nougat. You don't know. So I guess I can, I'm going to keep him around just in case he keeps laying those, those delicious Cadbury eggs. So And to be fair, Joe just wrote down a Cadbury egg, and I decided to change it to the bunny. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to hang out with the Cadbury bunny. Um, Deathclaw is, is going to be killed just because his name's Deathclaw. And uh, Metroid is going to be the one that I hang out. No, wait. That's when that's what you eat. That's the one I eat. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's just that's just a blob of uh, organs and jelly. So enjoy I, that. I'm yeah. going to eat Metroid and my feelings at the same time. <laughs> I ate seven Metroids. It was a bad day at work. All righty. The next up on the game, I've got uh, Yoshi from I'm assuming Mario, unless yes. there's some other Yoshi that I'm unaware of. Um. I've got the brood, really? Oh, from the X Men. I was, <laughs> yeah, the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess one's not better than the other, yeah. but uh, and then Zerg from Starcraft. See, yeah, well, they're they're um, they're just an alien creature. I don't know. Like Joe, Joe knows more about the Zerg than I do. Okay, well, I I feel like Yoshi's definitely going to be the one to hang out with. Yeah, uh, I feel like. I think Zerg are meatier than the Brood. Brood more insect. Okay, you know? so yeah, I'm going to kill the Brood and I'm going to eat the Zerg. <laughs> and my next three are... I'm not real good at filling a space in here, so I'm just going <laughs> to talk slowly. Keep you guys on the... All right. Uh, first up, I've got the Xenomorph. I'm reading it like I'm reading it to a kid. But technically, the xenomorph doesn't come out of an egg, though. The facehugger comes out of the egg. Okay, so do you know, we I mean, I don't, say? I don't know. I just, I'm just thinking like, I, it's weird because jellyfish have a two-stage life too, where they're like, um, first kind of like a polyp that grows off off the seafloor, and then they become a jellyfish, and then they plant. It's, it's like it's a two-stage life cycle, mm -hmm. kind of. So like the xenomorph. So is it still a xenomorph when it's a facehugger? I don't know. Yeah, I think I it's know. a fair assessment. Yeah. So anyway, xenomorph. I've got Eggy from the Kingsman, which I haven't seen, but I'm going to take it that that's a person. The Eggsy, that's his, the main character, the kid. His, his name's oh, Eggsy. okay. And then the Morlocks from World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah. Murlocks, yes. All they're, right. they're They're kind of fishy creatures. All right. But, um, yeah. I, I, I feel like there can be no good from hanging out with a Xenomorph, so that's the one I'm going to kill. So you, Eggsy is a human. Just want to throw that out there. 
So bef- before I decide which one I want to eat, yeah, I, I should know you. that one of them, <laughs> them is a human. human. Uh, so I guess then uh, I hang out with Eggsy and we eat some Morlocks. Yeah, there you go. Kingsman's a good movie. I, if you get a chance to see it, I think you'd dig it. Uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, the guy did First Class. Yeah, I've not uh, I've not seen it only because I'm not a huge Mark Millar fan, who's the writer. Yeah. Um, but I will I will give it a shot. All righty. Uh, my next three. All righty. I've got Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I, I couldn't <laughs> help, but I was like, that's that sounds like an egg name. <laughs> uh, brain Bug from Starship Troopers. Remember the Brain Bug? That yeah. Was, yeah. And then, oh, this one, my, one of my favorites, Mork from Mork. So um, I am not going to miss um, any chance to hang out with Mork from Mork. So he's staying. He's going to be my companion. Yeah. Um, I guess I kill the brain bug and eat Sheldon. <laughs> and, uh, you'd be like, oh, this thing tastes funny. It's like, no, Sheldon does not taste funny. <laughs> um, I think this is. We're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, oh wait. No, I, I grabbed too many. We're almost done. That's a, this I, is it's so a, exciting. <laughs> All righty. I've got Dr. Robotnik from Sonic. Wow. Because he's because he's called Eggman. That's true. Oh, you guys really thought this out. Uh, legs pantyhose? Uh, it's an egg. There was pantyhose in it. That's true. Um, Some of these I've added myself. You can tell which ones. <laughs> uh, and then, ooh, Nibbler from Futurama. Wow. I didn't realize he was Eggborn. I... You know, I didn't know that. I'm sure Joe does his research. All right. Well, I'm definitely keeping Nibbler. Um, he's going to be my buddy. I don't um, know if you want to eat egg full pantyhose. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I feel like Dr. Robotnik, though. There's a lot of robotic parts in there. Yeah. Like, I guess I eat Dr. Robotnik and... I, I kill a non-sentient uh, <laughs> you, you kill pair a pair of, of pantyhose after a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and we're down to the final three yeah. or two, it looks like. Oh, is there? Oh, did I not count that right? I thought I counted it right. I may have accidentally grabbed maybe an extra one somewhere oh, and okay. not realized it. Um, it's very likely that it, my, 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 my math was bad. All righty. We've got the Tamagotchi. And the San Diego chicken. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, and we'll throw the Eggman in from the Beatles. I okay. am. I am the Eggman. All right. Well, we then Paul. We have uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, all no, right. John. John was the Eggman. Paul was the Walrus. Yeah. I right. am the Yoko. Um, <laughs> there you go. It all ties together. Uh, I guess I am going to eat the San Diego chicken <laughs> because I can. And uh, I'm gonna uh, keep the Tamagotchi and play with it. Nice. Till I forget about it, and, and then it'll die two days later. All yeah. right. So, all right. There we go. That was uh, that was an egg egg filled uh, game there. So I did not lie about that. Um, all right. That was really clever. You guys, I feel like you guys put a lot of work into that, and I just sort of like blew through it. No, nah, it's fine. Like that's the whole point of the Nacho Helmet. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. That's going to do it uh, for us this week. Um, so uh, next week we're going to have uh, Jeff Ritchie on here talking about um, Jack Kirby and his work he's he's doing for Free Comic Book Day. Which are you also doing the Free Comic Book Day thing? I this am year? doing Free Comic Book Day this year. Come by and see me. Uh, I have agreed to. 
you know, unless some sort of unforeseen circumstance happens, I'm going to be there Friday night from 10 a.m. to 2 or yeah, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then Saturday, I'm coming back and drawing literally from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Oh, wow. So I'm going to be there for all three shifts of the artist doing free sketches. Um, please come by, uh, yell at me, tell me to draw faster. Um, <laughs> if you have any, uh, you know, comic book characters that you want drawn, uh, stop by and see all the talented artists that are there because there's a really great bunch of artists that are going to be there. Yeah, this is uh, Carol and John's Comics over in Camp's Corner um, in uh, West Park, Cle- you know, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, that their their free comic book day party is a good time, and uh, well, I'll talk more about it next week because I'm sure we'll have more talk. Like closer to it, we'll have more talk about. But yeah, Steve will be there doing drawings. Um, I will not be there. I mean, I will be there, but I'm not going to drunken drunkenly harass him like I did the one time as he's drawing my Batman that he, that um, that I have up on the wall. That <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, uh, check out uh, Steve there. Uh, and again, thank you for being on the show. I know again, it was, it was short notice and required you to do some homework by watching Prometheus. Well, um, you know, I mean, there are worse things. I mean, <laughs> not by much. It was Prometheus. <laughs> it was Prometheus. You, you know, uh, there, there are worse things, uh, that we could have, I could have made you watch like, um, 50 shades of gray or 50 shades darker or, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like how those are the two movies but like <laughs> I could have made you watch the first one or I could have made you watch the what, what second one of my one of my friends at work uh his uh his fiance uh she likes the those movies and he's he's been to the theater because he's you know a good boyfriend uh unlike me being uh, like Mary's like I want to see see these movies not those movies but like any movie I'm like I don't know if I want to watch that Good luck. Um, <laughs> so he'll go to the movie movies with his fiance and watch them. And and he had to go see the second movie. He was like, he's like, it was terrible. He's like, the first one was bad, but the second one was terrible. He's like, I'd rather go back and watch the first one again. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know why those are the first two I thought of. That says a lot about me. Well, speaking of bad movies, you and Joe keep teasing this Batman v Superman commentary, and <laughs> yeah, I want to yoke on my way back in, and I want to be present because I still that, have not that's watched been the it. plan the entire time is to to get you involved in this, uh, and we'll we'll figure it out. There's supposedly we're working on trying to set up a, a drinking and watching and commenting on the movie the entire time, and hopefully present some semblance of entertainment to those that'll be listening to us uh, watch that movie. So. Uh, that should be soon. We'll figure that out. I know we've been trying to, it, the tech part of it's actually a little bit more challenging than I thought it was to get it set up to where we could actually talk, but not record the audio of the movie, oh. but like this, but hear the audio of the movie. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's not, it's not, it's not impossible. I'm just like, Oh, I got to think about this. You know? Okay. So, all right. So, uh, like I said, next week, uh, Jeff Ritchie, uh, Jack Kirby and just some fun and Joe will be back. So there's your three J's right there. Uh, but again, Steve, thank you for coming on the show and Thanks everybody me. have a good week. Um, don't let any robots give you drinks with their fingers in them. I don't, I, don't, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> That's not the right outro music. That's a different show altogether. All right. God damn it. I'm just falling apart here at the end. Uh, uh, That's strange highways. Intro, outro I music. think Joe not being here is really like throwing you off your game. <laughs> no, I press buttons wrong all the time. So <laughs> let's, let's play the, let's play the actual outro music.
Prometheus. Prometheus.